God morning, everybody. There ain't no more post meridian. <laughs> blessed anti meridian. If you got your Bibles on this blessed God morning, we in Exodus. Exodus chapter three. We're moving on up. Exodus chapter three. And we're gonna pick up at verse one. Once you get there, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for your word and for your truth, God. Please teach us. Allow us to learn something, to know something, and to be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, we continue on our journey on walking through this book of Exodus. And what we've made it so far, y'all know we got we to get together. I'm saying we got to make sure everything stick because... The only thing I learned about being a preacher is that everything leaks. So, what have we done made it so far? We started off with our what now? Five blessed people. I just test you. Make sure you go all the way back to Genesis with our five blessed people. Who can name them? Adam. Uh huh. Okay. All right. All right. We we still ain't got them in order, but we got them. That's all right. That's all right. We, we move. <laughs> we learn something. That's all right. <laughs> so we move from our five blessed people in the book of Genesis, and now we're in the book of Exodus. And we didn't realize that what, what thing that, that tied them together about their blessing? Uh huh. All right. All right. We're going to tell you, we're going to learn something. So everything leaks. Everything leaks. That's all right. So the multiplication in the land. And that's the thing that, that tied these five blessed people together. And they've been on their journey. And so far, all five of them have failed. One did good, but he didn't see the promise. And now we make it to their children and their descendants. And they're living in a foreign land, the land of Egypt. And we saw last week that as their descendants and their children in this foreign land, that the promise began to be fulfilled through them. So they began to multiply. They began to increase and they began to fill the land just like Adam was supposed to do. But it's the wrong land. And we saw we had this international incident and we, you know what I'm saying? We played with all y'all different political philosophies and everybody had their own version. We had a couple of Mussolini's, a couple of Hitler's and one or two Joe Biden's up in here. So y'all said, let's kill the Egyptians. Y'all said enslave them. And other y'all said, let's, let's be democratic and, and, and make a friendship. But Pharaoh chose a mix between Hitler and Mussolini. He wanted to enslave the people. And his enslavement was to break the will of the people. But who did he target? The men. The women got off ease. So he, he didn't know nothing about sexism way back in, in, in 1600 BC. So the men was the target of it. But we met this one dude who was able to escape because of his mother. And we called him what now? Is he the next blessed man? Possibly. So far, he's just a dude who on the run because he skipped bail for capital murder. And he's living off in this foreign land in the, with, with his homeboys and his cousin them in Midian. Because he with the Midianites who come from who? Oh, Lord. 
That's all right. Keturah. Who? All right. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> who is Keturah though? Abraham's second wife. So these his cousins in them. And they went all the way around to this other side. And so did he marry his cousin? Y'all ain't think about that last week, did <laughs> Did he marry his cousin? Huh? Said so far down it don't matter. <laughs> so how far down does it got to be before it, before it matter? Say anything out the second. Huh? <laughs> I was just saying, like, technically that's a cuz. It is long, 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 long cuz. But that's a cuz. Y'all say that cool. Said it just cause they ain't know. Just don't, just don't go to the family reunion. <laughs> so that's where we at. So Moses got his brand new family. He on the run for capital murder. And he living with his father-in-law, who is actually his long, 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 long lost cousin or uncle or something like that. The relationship, we can't figure it out because it's so far and so distant. Everything is cool and everything is chilling. Now, we want to put in the back of your mind as we go forward a couple of different questions that we're going to wrestle with. And I'm going to need y'all participation. One of them is, how is it that we should pursue destiny? What should that look like? Because we're American and they taught us this thing. We've got the American dream. We're all supposed to be ambitious and going out. What is that supposed to look like? How should we pursue destiny? Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? An even broader question. Do we all really have a purpose? And what does that mean? Is there something that every single individual that's put on this planet is designed to do? Is there a special task that we're supposed to get accomplished before we fulfill, before we leave this earth? And what does that mean? So these are the type of questions and the themes that we're going to wrestle with. And another one is a little more contemporary. All right, y'all, 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 y'all new age folks and been raised by these psychologists. How does God feel about low self-esteem? That's a question you never thought about before these are two questions. We're going to focus on the latter one, and we're going to play with the first one. How does God feel about low self-esteem? Are we ready for the journey? Huh? Oh, man, very, 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 very insightful question, and that's what we're going to get through. We, we take it broad first, just having a low view of yourself, not thinking highly of yourself. We'll, we'll leave it at Red Delta right now. And we'll just let all the confusion sit and we'll wrestle with it. So we're ready to roll. Alright, so we went Moses and Moses, Exodus chapter 3. Said, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. So now they're in the land of Midian. Now, I'm pretty sure y'all don't remember what Midian at. We ain't go too deep into that. So where they are is in the area that we call Arabia now. Way on over there. You got that little, little funny looking thing that sit off of Africa out in the midst of the desert. That's where they are now. So he's in a desert and mountainous region and he's living with his father-in-law and he then took them all the way throughout the desert to get to these mountains. And what we're in the area of Saudi, Saudi Arabia going up sort of towards Iraq. That's where he's hanging out at. And he's identified his father-in-law. He gave him a new name. Did y'all catch that? 
Jethro, what his name was last week? Oh, so y'all ain't paying attention. Ryu was his name last week. And now his name Jethro. Which one of them his name? Jethro, his real name. Oh, both of them. <laughs> That's smart else. Jethro and real. What we have is that real means an excellent one. Uh, your excellency. And it could have been some form of his title because he's identified here as a priest. So he's a priest in the land of Midian and he Jethro. So y'all dark skinned from America. So y'all like Jethro a little better. <laughs> so that sounds like he grew up on good times. So brother like Jethro. <laughs> and that's what he's identified predominantly. But we're going to play with his name and his identity because there's some cultural stuff tied up in that. But so far as we understand, he got two names, Reul and Jethro. Reul is probably a priestly name, and it's more of a title than a real name. So Jethro is who he is, and Moses out there keeping his flock and keeping his people, and they had the mountain of, you got to remember this mountain. What's the mountain? It's the mountain of God. What about? Horeb. Come on, you got to remember that. The mountain of God, what the mountain at? Horeb. And that's in the middle of the Arabian Desert. Y'all got that? Huh? Is it inside now? Or is it inside now? Which one you asking? It's Horeb. That's all you know right now. You says inside now? Oh, yeah. Your, what, what verse you read? Okay, okay. They don't count. <laughs> well, we'll play with that a little bit. It's, it's a very tricky question. And they're in the land of Arabia. All right, so we, we, we got the position, we got where they are, and we rolling. We got Moses going on. Another trick question. What race are they? Huh? The Abraham race. What race is that? So we're going with human? Okay, y'all learn. Because they all come from the same folks, so they can't be that different. Alright, saying the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of a fire out of the midst of the bush and he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. So this is Moses. He's walking in the desert. A dry, arid desert. And he's going up a rock stone mountain and he runs into this bush. And it gives us the description of this bush. That the bush was on fire but the bush didn't burn. And that's the thing that catches Moses' attention. Not that a bush was burning. He in the middle of the desert. So things being sparked and stuff like that happen. It happens quite often. But this is a thorn bush, a funny looking bush, and it's been sitting on fire and he's been walking around this mountain and he see it burning, but he don't see it consume. And the even crazy thing is, how long can you set dry sticks on fire and they stay lit? Anybody ever tried it before? It's dry. Because he in the land of Horeb, which means dry place. In the middle of the Arabian desert. Looking at a bush burn. So the bush ain't that moist. It's on fire. How long can you set dry sticks on fire and they burn? It don't last that long. And this is what catches his attention. But the code to what's going on is in the opening of the verse. It said, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And we see this mystical figure again. This guy, the angel of the Lord, 
What's significant about him? When the last time we met him? Jacob. And his what now? Yes. What he said about him. He compared him to God. So is this angel God? What's going on here? So you got an angel. And the key word to get you conceptually in there is the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of the fire in the midst of the bush. So where's the angel? In the bush. So you got a burning bush. Fire all around it. And an angelic being standing in the midst of it. So this angel was on the ground in the middle of the desert. Being surrounded in fire. But at this point, Moses doesn't see the angel. All he sees is what? Burning bush. And that's the thing that captures his attention. So in verse 3, it says, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt? That's the thing that catches He's like, hold up now. Why ain't this thing burning? Why isn't it not completely consumed? What's going on here? And it's the thing that intrigues him and it pulls him in. And it takes us into a great mystery that we got to wrestle with and wrap our mind around if we want to understand who God is and how he operates. This sets the foundation for all the rest of the book of Exodus because we've been setting up for a battle and we've been setting up for a war. And we've had two parties identified so far, the Egyptians and the Israelites. One is a great power and one is a weakling that's being crushed. And now we got this third character that enters in and his name is the angel of the Lord. How does he fit into this battle? And Moses going in verse four, it said, when the Lord saw, so when who saw? I thought it was the angel of the Lord. So what is Lord at? So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. So the Lord saw God spoke. And the angel was in the midst of the bush. What's going on? So is the angel God and there's a different Lord? Or is the angel the Lord in God one and the same? Y'all just said one? We sure? It said that sound right because we in church? (laughs) And we got this thing messed up because the Lord did what now? He saw. And God did what now? He spoke. And the angel was well in the bush. And you got these three different things, these three different concepts, these three different beings being referenced to using these three different names. Are they one and the same? Or is it three different people? What's going on here? And you got the mystery of this angel. Who is he? What's going on? So now God begins to speak. Who is in the midst of the bush? The angel of the Lord. Now who begins to speak? All right, keep that in mind. Is God a name or a title? Are you sure? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Is God a name or a title? Let's take a vote. <laughs> Is God a name or a title? You raise your hand if you go for a title. All right, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. And saying that's how y'all do it at church. And the vast majority of people start saying it to everybody. So it's a title. We got a few people who think, is it a name? Who, who got a name? What's the difference between a name and a title? Biden is a name. President is a title. Now you may call him Mr. President, but that ain't his name. 
Yeah, that's his title. It had been hundreds of Mr. Presidents. Well, it it hasn't been hundreds. No, it ain't been hundreds. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a lot of presidents. a whole bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, it's hundreds of them. Right? <laughs> they got presidents in Israel. They got <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> so it's a lot of them. You understand the difference. So do you change your vote? Is it a name or a title? You say name? That's his name. You got name? Okay, she's strong on it. You, you okay, ride with your daughter. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we got names. So God is a name. So what is the Lord or Yahweh? That's a name too. So we got two names. We got a name and a title. Name got, okay, uh-oh. What, what about y'all name people? Y'all just gonna let them bully y'all like that? I'm saying. So is it the name or? So he got two names, y'all say. Got a lot of names. And God, <laughs> you think they're all the same? I'm talking about name like your name, Princeton. Son is a title that you have. Husband is a title that you have. But it's God a name. That's a title. So can it be more than one? Can more than one person have that title? Hold up now. We got some confusion going on. All right. We're going to put that in the back pocket. And we're going to play. All right. Now y'all see. So we got the Lord. Y'all said that's a name. We got God. Some of y'all said that's a name. And we're going to see if we figure it out. What's going on here? So who's speaking now? Alright, keep that. Saying he said, who said? God said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. So you got this whole exchange coming. And as Moses began to approach, who said it? God told him, stop. Don't come any farther because the place where you stand is holy ground. Take off the shoes off your feet. And we get this big switch going on. Does God got a white carpet down there? God one of them people who put plastic on his furniture like you can't walk in this room? But think of what he's talking about. Moses in the middle of the Arabian desert walking around a mountain. What makes that ground holy? And this is his job. He been feeding the flock of his father for at least 40 years now. Ain't no telling how many times he has passed this ground. He's walked by this place. Now all of a sudden it's illegal for him to walk on it. What changed? The fact that God was there. Now, now y'all finna get deep in a little bit and now you're gonna convict yourself. So be very careful about, <laughs> by how you, by how you answer this now. Uh, it's alright. So are you telling me that where God resides, it alters the nature of the thing where he lives. Uh-oh, now, hold up now. I'm going to say that again. Make sure you're thinking about what you're saying. Where God resides, it alters the nature of the thing that he's connected to. 
you, you sure? And you can no longer treat it as common because he is there. Uh-oh. Y'all sure y'all thinking about this now? Because these got some dangerous implications. So I'm going to say that one more again. Make sure we, we, we track it. Where God resides, and it's y'all preaching, not me now. Where God resides, it alters the nature of the thing he's connected to. So you can no longer treat it as common. Something about you have to change when you come into contact with that what God has contacted. That's what y'all are saying. Uh-oh, now. Once Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he say he was going to reside? Uh-oh. So that means you have to change. And you're no longer coming. So your life shouldn't look like everybody else around here should. Oh, man. And this is the essence of what it means to be holy. And this is the thing that we're going to take and drive home as we go through the rest of this book. It's something that is dedicated to. But what caused it to be holy? God being there. It can be something that it wasn't because it was connected to something greater than itself. What does that say about you? If you have been lying since the day that you have been talking, started talking like all of us, y'all have. It's all right. Is it possible for you to now to be truth teller because you have come into contact with something that has the ability to alter who you are? Should you expect that? Should you expect that if I have come into contact with this great being who I call God, who has the power to sanctify whatever he touch, I should be different. And I should be so different that nobody can treat me as common. That something has to change once I shift into this place where God resides. That's a powerful thing y'all talking about there. Now the question is we have to wrestle with. Like I said, don't raise your hand out loud right now. Raise it in your heart. Does he live in you? And if he does, have you changed? Because if we don't see this altering, you have to question whether or not he lived in you. Because y'all just said, once God come into contact with something, he has the ability to change the nature of it. So common dirt becomes sanctified dirt and people can't treat it the regular old way. Now, what did God make human beings out of? Uh-oh, now keep going. Said, so moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon who? He was looking at what? The bush. And now he turns because he afraid to look upon who? Who did Moses think was talking to him? What was the angel? So the angel was in the midst of the bush. God spoke and now Moses is afraid to look at the bush because he thinks God is in the bush. But if it's just a title, that ain't that scared. Y'all, y'all track it with me. <laughs> you gotta put your thank you caps on now. If God is just a title, that ain't that scared. That the angel is God who's speaking out of the midst of the bush. But the thing that makes it scary is this identification he gives. He runs his lineage and he identifies himself as a specific God. If we take the title approach, 
What God is he? The God of Abraham. The one who Abraham said is the possessor of heaven and earth. He's the God of Isaac. The one who Isaac entreated to to change the nature of his wife's body because she couldn't have a baby. He's the God of Jacob, the one who he said delivered him and kept him and the one that carried the promise all the way from Adam. This is the same person that's speaking out of the bush. The possessor of heaven and earth. The one who called Abraham and gave him a promise. Now this angel don't seem so common. This angel has some power. This angel can alter the nature of ground and dirt. This angel is connected to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this angel strikes fear in Moses that he's scared to even look at him. And you get this object of the divine and this being that God can come down and he can dwell in the midst of his people and he can talk to his people. Still while maintaining his greatness, his sanctity as God. And we got to wrap our minds around this and understand it because y'all been going to church for a long time and they give you cold words that, that take the sting. Oh, we believe in the Trinity. Where you get that from? That's just an uh-huh to a long list of confessions. But if we truly wrap our mind around God, we have something great to wrestle with. God cannot be defined by a trite saying that some dude made up in Northern Africa about 2,000 years ago. These, this is a real being that we really have to understand. So in order for him to know who it is truly that he's talking to, he run his lineage. This is God's way of saying, Google me. Are y'all wrestling with me? So this angel that's in the midst of the bush that is God is the same one that's been working all the way through Genesis. And he's telling Moses, check me out. And we get this thing going on again. It said, and the Lord said, now who, hold on, now. the Lord said, who is the Lord? So are two people talking now? Or is this still the same conversation? Same conversation. So the God is the Lord, which is the angel of the Lord. So Yahweh is God and he's a messenger of himself. That what y'all saying? Because that's all the word angel means, a messenger. So Yahweh is God. And he is own messenger. And he right here on the ground talking to Moses in the middle of the Arabian desert. That's what we, that's what we agree on. Let's see. Let's see to the stick. So and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrow. So we identify himself. I've been paying attention to what's been going on. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land of unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milky honey unto a place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the crowd of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptian oppress him. So God giving you what it is his purpose. Why is he coming down here? Because I don't recognize What's being done to my people by the Egyptians. And I'm coming to do something about it. I'm going to take them away from this oppression. I'm going to take them to a good land. Then he begins to talk about the population of the land. All these people who dwell into it. And who going to accomplish this task? God. And he's setting this scene up. So we had the two parties ready to fight. The Egyptians and the Israelites. But now God is interjecting himself and he said, I'm finna do something about it. And we see his plan and we see his mission 
that he came down to do something. And if we've been tracking all the way from Genesis, anytime God said he come down, that's a reference to what? Judgment. When they rebelled against him as Babel, he said, I came down to see what the people are doing. When all the iniquity and the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, he told Abraham, I'm come down to see what's going on. And now again, he used the same expression is, I'm coming down to see the oppression of my people. That means judgment is about to happen. And you're getting the battleground being set up. God finna fight with the Egyptians. What he fighting for? His people. And not just his people, the freedom of his people. He finna right some wrongs and some injustices. But even deeper than that, because I told you, God just ain't moved by need. He's moved by purpose. He got a plan that he had in mind, and that's to take them somewhere. So when God comes to rescue, he ain't just getting them out of the hand of the Egyptians. He's taking them to a place. But he also taking them to another people. And if we remember Genesis 15, God promised Abraham that his people were going to be strangers in a foreign land. They were going to be oppressed and afflicted by them and that he was going to bring them back to a land. And he gave a reason why it was going to take 400 years. He said, because the what now? Because the iniquity of the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Hivites was not yet full. So God was going to do something with the sin of the Canaanites, the, the Jebusites, the Amorites and all those people. So we got a double judgment coming from. He's taking them out and he's judging the Egyptians. He's taking them to and he's fulfilling his promise. But he also going to judge the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Parasites and all them other people. And we see this plan of God. So God don't just deliver from, he delivers to. But he also delivers for a purpose. So if you're a thief and God delivers you from thievery, what did he take you to? Huh? Giving? Honesty? Possible? If he ain't took you nowhere, have he saved you? <laughs> you see, he's probably still stealing. That's probably. <laughs> Just stealing another day, different way. Say, come now, therefore, I will send thee. This is still God, Yahweh, the angel of the Lord talking. I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people that the children of Israel, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Telling them, saying, Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now we're getting started again deep. We're going to pay attention to this thing that I asked y'all. How God feel about low self-esteem? Because Moses is a man who the jump bill on the run for capital murder. He be living in the desert, a goat herder, a sheep herder, a semi-nomadic type of dude for all these years. Y'all would call him an Arabian. Does he count as an Arabian now? Is he an Arab, as we say? He been living in Arabia for 40 years. He was born in Egypt. So what is he? And his, his, his lineage is an Israelite. So which one is he? <laughs> and it's the reason I tell y'all race is fake. <laughs> it's not consistent. Because <laughs> which one is he? Is he African, Arabian, or a Hebrew? Uh, is he a African Arabian Hebrew? <laughs> and which one get to dominate? So we've been in Arab for 40 years. He lived in Egypt for 40 years. And his daddy is a Levite.
<laughs> just a human being. <laughs> That's what we all are. So we got the deal. But look what he said, though. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel? He asked two questions. What gives me the right to go talking to Pharaoh? Who am I? And what gives me the right to talk about bringing out some children of Israel? Twofold questions. Is that a legit question? He ain't no military leader. He ain't no warrior. He ain't the king of anything. He living with his father-in-law. Brother almost 40 some years old. Not this one. The one that wanted to kill him was dead. So like he like, what, what right do I have? That seems like a legitimate question. And if you were having a, a divine encounter, how many of you would think the same thing? Like, what's he? I'm gonna do what? Like, bro, you tripping. <laughs> and that's where his mind at. Does Moses have low self esteem? Okay. Alright, how many of y'all agree with her? You riding by yourself right now. You ride by yourself right now, so you ride by, you ride by yourself right now. Alright, we're gonna see if they're gonna join you in a little bit. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. The he that's speaking now is the Lord, the God, the Yahweh, possessor of heaven and earth. Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Give him a plan, like I'm going with you. Me, God, the possessor of heaven and earth, the one that allowed your great 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 grandma to have a baby when she was too old to even have one. I'm the one that's going to go with you. And I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a token. Now God cheats a little bit. I pay attention to what he said the sign is. When you bring them out, y'all going to worship me on this mountain. That means first he got to do what? Like, hold up, bro. That's the question that, that I had to start with. <laughs> so he just jumped over that first question. Like, <laughs> He answered the first one, like, who am I? Like, it don't matter who you is, I'm gonna be with you. It's like, who I'm I'm gonna bring him out. This gonna be your sign that you're gonna do it. When you do it, <laughs> you're gonna end up right back here. <laughs> On this same mountain of Horeb in the middle of the Arabian desert. Would that give any of y'all some assurance? Alright. So Moses ain't that odd. So y'all still. Do we got low self-esteem? Got to keep reading. All right. Huh? Is there a difference? (laughs) And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? So he he started. He's like, Okay, God, you you skirted my last question. So let's go back to the basics. When I go around there talking about the God of my fathers, and they're going to ask me, who you talking about? What I'm going to say? Because they've been in Egypt. How long? 400 years. Four generations. And if we seen in the life of Jacob, this identity that started with Abraham sort of faded a little bit. Because the last half of Genesis, the, the, the speaking of Yahweh disappeared. And they only talked about this generic God. So now you're talking about, hey, if I go talking about the God of my father, who am I going to tell him I'm talking about? And God gives him this amazing statement. He said, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. 
And he said, thus shalt thou say unto thee, the, the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. That's a very deep statement. And it set up this whole deep mystery about who God is. Because he asked them for what? A name. And he gives them this description. I am that I am. Uh, could be better translated. I will be what I, sh- what I will be. Either one of them you can ride with. What does that mean? And we got to deal with the identity of what is a name. Because a name works twofold in the Bible. Is a call. How you identify something or catch their attention. And it's also a descriptor which gives identity. That's how names were designed to work. And so is God giving him just a call? Something you say, or is he giving them a description? And what we soon gonna realize, he's giving them both. I am that I am. I will be what I will be. So when you go to them, tell them, I will be has sent me. And this is a fancy way of saying, cause hold on, let's see how many of y'all went to school now. Be is a what type of verb? Gone said, don't, don't, don't doubt now if you go say it. It's a being verb. And it identifies what? Oh, you, you said it already. Uh huh. But it identifies the state of something. In another word, saying the state of something is the existence of it. So God here now defines himself as being existence. Like that's what I am. So they won't know who sent you. Being has sent you. Existence has sent you. And that gets down to the core of reality of what it means to be. That's our question we wrestle with is. How do we understand destiny? How do we pursue purpose? And does everybody have one? But now we get down to the core of existence. And what the core of existence is, is this dude who's talking. I am existing. And tell them that's what sent you. What I do, that's what I be. And you get this mystery going on. Now Moses is a little bit confused. Because that get a little heavy. Because how you go to people like, hey man, being. And he gonna do some being, and that how you gonna know what he gonna hear because what he gonna do? Like who would that? Just watch what he do. <laughs> but that's how God is setting it up. What I do, that's who I am, and I am what I do, and we all one in the same because I'm existence. So tell him existence sent you. you know that would that help y'all out of y'all more? You still down. God said moreover, so he keep going unto Moses. Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God, and he adds his name, Yahweh Elohim, which is another form of that same to be, I am, will be. So Yahweh Elohim, so the self-existent God, or the God of existence, the God of your fathers, he sent you. The God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you, 
That is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. Like this is how you know me. This is how you identify me. I am the God of existence. The God of Abraham. The God of Jacob. The God of Isaac. This is my memorial. This is my testimony. I just stamp myself. Now God has connected himself to these few little lowly people. And you're like, this is this how you know me. This is who I really am. And he keep going this thing going on. Now he said, go, give some more instruction. Gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and have seen that which is done unto you. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the land of the affliction of, of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken unto thy voice, and thou shalt come, and thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And you shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. So we set the whole scene up. And all he did was repeat the instructions. He gave him a name, he bragged on himself, and he repeat the instructions. But he added a little extra with it. And the extra that he adds is he gives them some more detail. I'm going to go. You're going to talk to the elders. I'm going to bring y'all out. And you're going to go three days journey into the wilderness. Now, if y'all been paying close attention, you should have caught on to something that Moses ain't asked nothing about yet. What's another big problem that he ain't thought about? Huh? No, that ain't the big problem. Huh? Moses ain't thought about. He's been asking all these questions. He asked about the people listening to him. He asked about going unto Pharaoh, but what's missing? Huh? He gonna tell. He told them where they were gonna go. Y'all going to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Perizzites? Nah, that ain't a big deal. All right, I'm gonna put my brother on the spot. It's a military man. Alright, so you've been given a mission. And you're going to extract some people from a hostile land. But the end goal of your mission is to take these people into an inhabited land that you ain't got no allies in. He told you how you're going to get them out. What's your next question, big bro? <laughs> For what though? Uh huh. Were you facing the Egyptians taking them out? <laughs> What's the last part of the question? Now you're going to get there. You're going into a, a foreign land with no allies. What we gonna do with them folks that's there? Like, hey, you finna go get them from out of Iraq. I want you to take them to Afghanistan. Like, what we gonna do with the Afghans? <laughs> hey, bro, Moses ain't asked that question. Cause he run a list of nations. The Canaanites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Jebusites. You going to where they stay at. <laughs> like we're about 
And that set this whole scene up. So he got a double duty. But he focused on the first part. Like, hold up. How, how am I going to get him out there? But God gave him this whole plan and this whole little deal. And he gives reassurance. You're going to talk to the elders and they're going to cool and they're going to listen to you. How many of y'all will be reassured? You cool now? Your help is God. Just talk to the elders and they're going to listen to you. Yeah, he told them that first. Y'all said y'all were still down. <laughs> that bush still burning. <laughs> so we still down. We still be down. Yeah, that's legit. Cause he really ain't give you no more plan. Like you gonna go to Pharaoh and you gonna ask him to let y'all go on three day vacation. <laughs> and y'all just gonna camp out in uh in worship. So to ask Pharaoh to send you on three day prayer me and let y'all work. That's the plan. And in verse 19, he said, I'm sure that the king of Egypt, now this is getting word. This is God speaking. So I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. So with strength and with power, he still ain't going to let you go. How many of y'all be reassured now? It's like, hey, we're we taking the, dip, dip, the, the diplomatic approach. You're going to go rescue your people. And you're going to take them from a hostile country. But all you do is go to the embassy and tell them, hey, we finna leave. And he said, well, you're going to go and knock on the door of the embassy and you're going to ask them, we finna leave. And they're going to say, no. And even with might and power, you can show up at tanks like Kim Jin Yong, and they still ain't going to let you go. <laughs> that ain't not a reassuring mission. Why would God do that? Is he not sensitive to the psychological makeup of human beings? <laughs> and he keep going. And he said, I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Like, you can come with mighty, you can come with power. He ain't going to do nothing. But I'm going to beat him. Then he going to let you go. Now will y'all be assured? You're down the ride now. Like God said, I'm, I'm going to take care. I'm going to handle that. And after I handle that, he going to let y'all go. He's like, okay, bro, come on. you like the little boy who got his bike took. <laughs> well, bro said, hey, man, where they at? I'm going to bring that down here. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Don't talk. He did him. It was him. <laughs> so y'all said, "Ah, you would have been." All right. Let's see how Moses. God keep going. So I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. So y'all gonna leave. You ain't gonna be broke when you leave either. But every woman, see, man, why they keep favoring the women? Y'all told me this Bible was misogynistic and it hated women. The women didn't get beat when they was enslaved. And now God talking, he said, every what now? Every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Y'all going to bankrupt the Egyptians. Who going to do it? The women. I'm going to beat Egypt so bad that the women going to be able to take all their gold, all their jewelry, all their raiment. 
and you're going to deck your children out. You see, y'all thought that was new. Putting gold chains on little bit of children. It started way back then. <laughs> God thought that. Put the bling on the boy. <laughs> Put that boy's bling on. Now, I don't have walking in the desert without no gold. <laughs> so who going to do it, though? The women. That's deep. Most of y'all ain't never paying no attention to that. Cecil DeVille, they ain't, don't show that on the movie then. The women gonna rob them. And that's a time of, of, of total defeat and total victory. What the men gonna do? Be slaves and be happy that they're free. <laughs> if we transition, we're gonna take this thing on home and zone in on this last point. It said in chapter four. Said Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me. They brought still doubt. God then told him, They're gonna listen to you, the elders. I'm gonna beat Pharaoh, and his response is, They ain't gonna listen to me. Y'all think Moses got low self-esteem? At this point, it's it getting ridiculous. Now. He said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. Now, what God told him they were gonna do? Listen. And he's saying they what? They ain't going to listen. So he calling God or what? Uh-oh, y'all said that in church. <laughs> what you doing? You calling God a lie. Is that good? Now I'm going to pick on my knee. Dave, if your daddy tell you something, and he put all his off on it, and you say, nah, he ain't. How you think Pop's going to respond? Huh? What'd it look like? Okay. <laughs> it ain't changed too much since. <laughs> but that's what he just did. But he got low self-esteem and God should understand that, right? That what y'all say? Y'all, y'all doubt that? He got low self-esteem and God should understand that. So God shouldn't get upset. Cause he just called him a lie. And he told him to his face that he lied. If y'all were God, how many of y'all would, would get upset? Huh? God ain't got low self-esteem. <laughs> You'll get upset a little bit. Alright, let's let keep tracking with this thing. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thy hand? So God ignored that. Like, hold up, what you, what you holding on to right there? And he said, a rod. You know what a rod is? A fancy word for a stick. That's all it is. So a rod is a fancy word for what now? So Moses standing in the middle of the Arabian desert holding a stick. And God finna send him as a military leader to extract a whole nation of people. And the first thing he asked him. Once he showed some old doubt is. What you holding on to. Like a stick. This ain't 2000. So y'all cool people. When you say stick. He ain't talking about no AR. <laughs> this ain't that type of stick. It's just a piece of wood. That came off a tree. What the pimp used to use, he ain't even got a ball on it. 
And he told him, hey, he said, God speaking, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. So he told him, drop your stick. Stick turned into some type of serpent. Moses back up. So God trying to teach him something. And that show you all the way back 1600 BC, people were scared of snakes. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. That's deep now. Now I'm from the projects. There ain't too many snakes that survive out there. So I don't deal with these things too often. But I watch Duck Dynasty and, 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 and the people in the, the swamp gator bars. <laughs> it crackled out done deal. One thing I noticed, one of the most riskiest things you could do with a snake is snatch it by the tail. Because it can turn around and bite you. And God telling them, snatch the serpent by the tail. And he's calling them to do what? Trust him. He's training them. He's sending them the basic training now. And what your tool is, you're going to grab a snake by the tail. Why? Because I told you to. That sounds like a dad. <laughs> Said Moses put forth the hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. So it transformed back again, back into a stick. Now, would that catch your attention? Uh, okay. All right. All right. You just, you playing. You're doing some little tricks. That's cool. Said that they may believe that the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, had appeared unto thee. So this is what he's telling them to do. This is his goal. Drop a stick, pick it up so people will believe you. He's trying to help them out. And the Lord, in verse 6, said, furthermore, Unto him, put now thy hand into thy bosom. So put your hand in your robe. Put it in your jacket. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. So he put his hand in there. And when he pulled it out, it turned white. So it turned white when he put it out. Now that would catch your attention. So he made him play with a serpent. Which if we keep in mind all the way from Genesis, a serpent is what? Huh? The deceiver who brought evil into the world. So now you're playing with evil and he pulled his hand out and white like leprosy is a form of what? Disease. So you got evil over the animal nature and you got disease and it turn his hand leprous and now Moses, he's stuck. Like, hold up, this, this ain't fun. Now you made me sick. I'm talking about and he said unto him, put thy hand into thy bosom again in verse 7. He put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom and behold it was turned again as the other flesh. So we put it back and it came back. Like okay. So he got sick and he got healed instantly. And it shall come to pass that if they will not believe thee nor hearken unto the voice of the first sign that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. So it's like hey, if you drop a stick and they don't listen to you show them the hand and show them the, the, the power of me to heal. It's like they're going to listen to one of them. How many of y'all will change now? Huh? It's for the elders. He said they ain't going to listen to me. How many of y'all? Okay. All right. We, we're down the ride. This enough. Y'all down? All right. Says so it's a couple pass. 
If they were not, this is God still speaking, believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood on the dry land. So he gave him a third one just for extra measure. So they don't listen to them two. They don't listen to you talking. Scoop up some water and pour it on the ground. And when he hit the ground, they're going to become blood. Okay, that's a little weird. But y'all are already ready to ride. And let's see by Moshe. Let's what he got going on. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am of slow speech, end of a slow tongue. This brother still. But he amps it up a little bit. He's like, I'm a slow speech. Or it could be translated a heavy tongue. He can't talk. Like, I don't know how to talk. I've never been eloquent. And he amped this thing up. Said not heretofore. That means not up until this point. Or since you to start talking. I still can't talk. So this whole speech you gave me ain't did nothing about the fact that I don't know how to talk to people. How many of y'all think Moses got low self-esteem? God been telling you, you gonna do it, you gonna do it, you gonna do it. And each time God gives him something, he turns to another. Like, God, who am I? I don't got the right. I'm gonna go with you. Like, God, what's it gonna happen? They ain't gonna listen to me. I'm gonna give you some signs to make them listen to you. Well, God, I don't even know how to talk. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't know how to talk before you came. And since you've been talking, I still don't know how to talk. Moses gone a little too far. Y'all, y'all down with that? You don't know? <laughs> okay. What you got, man? Uh-huh. That deep. You don't trust God. And God then gave him all these little signs to show up. And, hey, bro, I control nature. I control your very body. You can't trust him. So Moses got some things going on. Now we're going to take off in, in, in a little bit. And in verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Like, hold up, bro. You talking about you can't talk. Who made people talk? I created talking. So if I can turn a stick into a snake and change it back to gear, you think I can't do nothing with your little speech impediment? <laughs> so he probably had a lisp or something. He probably wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> so now, therefore, God amping it up. He's giving a command. Ain't no more you shall. Now, therefore, go. And I will be with thy mouth. I will teach thee what to say. Like your mouth and me going to be together. And more than that, you don't even have to figure out what to say. I'm going to teach you. God getting a little more stern with him. Y'all think God don't understand people got low self-esteem? They got trust issues? Think God ain't sensitive to that? You know? So how does he feel about it? All right, we'll keep on going. And he said, this is Moses speaking again. Oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou was sent. Like, hold up. And it's a fancy way of saying, 
Send whoever you want to go. Now we've been having this hour long conversation. Who God want to go? <laughs> Y'all think Moses got some problem. So you backed up off of <laughs> Y'all left bro alone. It's like, hold up, bro. And in verse 14, we see this thing that don't supposed to be in the Bible. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he coming forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Like, hold up, bro. Now God is upset. And we're going to pause here to talk about it as we close it. What made God angry? The lack of trust. What was Moses' lack of trust built on? More than his own insecurity, his own inability. Because the things that he brought up was legit. Like, I ain't got no right to go to Pharaoh. He on the run for capital murder. You telling me, hey, bro, go talk to the judge and tell him that I'm finna bankrupt the whole, like, hold up, bro, I ain't got no right to speak to him. You're a fugitive. He down now with, with, with Pablo Escobar and them. In Cuba with Tupac and Michael Jackson. <laughs> Who else they put down there? Hitler and everybody down there. <laughs> Why y'all don't believe the internet? <laughs> the, but that's where he is, so that's legit. I, I ain't got no right to go speaking to them. Then he either war. These elders, I don't know them. This brother been gone for all these years. What right do I have to go telling them what they're going to do and what's going to happen to them? I don't have no power. I don't have no standing. I ain't no prophet. I ain't got nothing. So his gripes are legit. And even down to the last gripe, I don't even know how to talk. These folk going to laugh at me if I go up there stuttering. Talking with my lips. They can't understand the the different expressions I'm saying. And he probably had it bad because he probably knew how to speak Egyptian and Hebrew. And you got a lisp in two languages. <laughs> like that deep. <laughs> he probably didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> That's probably why he had to kill that Egyptian last time. You probably tell him to stop it. They know what he <laughs> But he got all these, all these things are legit. But the thing that brings the anger of the Lord, even with legit claims, who is greater than your weakness? Hold up now, y'all getting dangerous. So if God tell me I can do something, and if for all of my life I have not been able to do it, who should I believe? Y'all say that. That sounds good in church. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. Man. Now we're going to play with this for a little bit. Now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna take it on home right here. Now let's play with this. Because y'all said Moses had what now? Low self-esteem. And that's supposed to be like some type of psychological condition that you need to get people out of and all that type of stuff. And you got to mold and you got to work them. But you know what low self-esteem really is? Pride. Because when you all boil down to it, all you saying is my weakness is greater than your ability. And the most important thing about any situation is my inability. Now the head doctors have tricked us 
and made pride arrogance. But arrogance is one expression of the same thing that you express when you quote unquote down on yourself. Because the only thing that matters in my life, the only thing that matters in my situation, the only thing that's going to make a difference is my inability. And I know I'm supposed to, but I can't. And I know God said, but I can't. And I know this and that, but I can't. And this is a cloaked pride that stares at God and says, you don't know what you're talking about. But we couch it. And it's safe because other prideful people has distorted our mind through the switching of language. And we don't see how prideful it is. Even all the way down to suicide. That's pride. Because the most important thing that's going on is not my family, not the impact of all these people, not the, 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 the trauma and the devastation that's going to come upon the people who find me. It's the hurt that I feel now and that's the only thing that matters. And my life sucks so much that everybody else going to suffer because of what I'm going through. That's pride. And it's a, another form of the same thing. But God, as we saw going through this thing with Moses, he was patient with him. And he kept working with him. And he kept going and he kept trying to bring him out. But when it all boils down to it, you're going to have to trust God. And we're going to connect it back to where we started because y'all put some deep theology out there. And you said wherever God is, it has the ability to change the nature of something. So if God lives in me, I am not holy and I'm not common. But when God demands me to be holy and to live as if I am holy, even though I've been living wrong all of my lifestyle, once I get it in my mind that I can't, I'm doing the same thing Moses did. God said, you have to. You're like, man, God, you just don't know how hard it is. And I've been going through this and that, such, such, and anger been in my family all the way back to who cares? We ain't talking about your family right now. We're talking about you. And if what y'all told me is true, God has the ability to override that. So when God says don't and he shows up and change you and you still saying I can't, you got what? Pride. It don't feel like it. But that's what it is. Because you have elevated your weakness and your inabilities over the greatness of God. And we have allowed pride to sleep into the church and we allowed it to, to, to undo the gospel. What you mean by that? Because God say some bold and some crazy stuff. He say amazing stuff like joy I give you and it's joy I leave you. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. But we live in a world of hardship. We live in a world that we've been locked in and boxed in and our lives are, are, are built doing this right here. And when we do this right here by ourselves and we see the inefficiency of ourselves, the inability of ourselves, and we compare ourselves to snapshots of other people's lives, we feel unfulfilled. Because I see my high school mate and she got this and she got that and they go on vacation and we barely doing this thing. And I pray the Lord because I got the P-E-B-T because I did the only way I can get groceries. <laughs> 
But when I see them, they got big rims and big houses and all that. And I'm still renting and standing in this little apartment. And you get down on yourself and you discount the goodness and the blessing that God has given you. And when God moves you and tells you you can do something, you say, I can't because pride. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And it goes so on and so forth. God tells everybody we're supposed to tell the truth. How often are you supposed to tell the truth? Y'all really believe that? I'm going to ask you again. That, that, that one's strong. Maybe y'all catching on. <laughs> How often are you supposed to tell the truth, now? Nah? All the time. Who wants you to tell the truth all the time? How long you been lying? All your life. So you've been lying all your life. You're supposed to tell the truth all the time. So you are not capable of telling the truth is what you have demonstrated to yourself by the evidence of a life filled with lies. But when God tells you to tell the truth and he enters in you, what's supposed to happen? Supposed to change. And now that change has happened and God is telling you to tell the truth and he's telling you like Moses, I'm going with you. And you say, well, you don't understand everybody. You ain't everybody. You don't understand, man. It ain't nothing but it's a habit. What you doing? Caught up in that same pride. That same inability. That same focuses on your weakness and your failures. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Your wife ain't got to understand how angry you are. She shouldn't have to. Like that whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus that come from a heathen who don't know nothing about life. This That's true. So she should have to understand that you can't deal with typical situations without locking yourself in your cave. Because you know what you vowed to do? What you got with that woman? To love and to devote myself to you wholly in sickness and health for richer or poor. You understand that? So when you devote yourself to something, who come first? Y'all sure? When you devote yourself to something, who come first? What if you tired? Oh, Lord, nah. So who got to understand? You do. <laughs> <laughs> You can't use that excuse. I'm saying I'm a man and we built like this and I be at work and we only got a thousand words while women have ten thousand words and I've been at work all day and I've been talking to this person. I've been going through me and I've used up all my thousand words. So when I come home, I ain't got no more thousand words. <laughs> That's fine. You know what you better do? If you ain't got but a thousand, be mute at work. <laughs> <laughs> Cause who you devoted yourself to? <laughs> you devote yourself to, to, to work. You devote yourself to board meetings, to sales pitches, or whatever else. So if you're going to run out by the time you get home, you better start writing notes and texting and <laughs> at work. Because when you come home, she ain't got to understand. And you can't use the excuse. That's just who I am. I get angry before I know it. That's a sign to you that some ain't what? Right. And if God came, some should what? Change. 
And if God changes it and he telling you I'm with you, all excuses fade away. Are y'all with me? God understands that we get doubted. God understands that we go through weaknesses, but he's the strength for our weakness. And that's the concept of grace. That's why Paul said, I rejoice in my weaknesses because your strength is made perfect in my weakness. That's what grace comes in. So God ain't saying like, man, I wish they weren't weak. Like, I'm glad you are. So he can show off. That's how he liked to play. He show up on the court and say, give me everybody who can't play. Put them on my team. He go down to lamp. He <laughs> say, I'm going to take them to the NBA and we're going to win the championship. <laughs> That's how he like to play ball. So don't think that because you're weak, don't think that because you got frailties, that somehow undo do what God got going on. He championed that. Because what reason did he chose Moses? Because he wanted to. Wasn't nothing special about this dude. There's an old man living with his father-in-law in the middle of the desert walking around with some goats. What makes him better than you? And if God can take him and produce destiny in him, what can he do to you? Because what was Moses trying to do? They out the way and raise goats and, and, and sheep. But God had a greater plan. And it's possible for you to live life and be content living your life and God can interrupt it and do something what? Great with it. That's how true destiny is formed. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And we're just going to read down to the end of 17. And said, thou shalt speak unto him, talking about Aaron, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do, and you shall be a spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be unto thee in the place of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him in the place of God, and thou shalt take this rod in thy hand, wherewith thou shalt do sign. So we sent them out. I'm sending your brother to help you out. God is still patient and merciful. And you take your little stick, and you go meet your brother, and we're going to do this thing. Because God is great in that. But we have to do what? Believe that. Believe in his greatness greater than our weakness. But you all know what the crazy thing is? Most of the stuff that God wants us to do, if we be honest with ourselves, we don't want to do. And that's where the real problem come in at. As you know, since I've been 25, I've been getting back in shape. But you know what? That's just a lie. Because it's going to cause some altering that I don't want to do. You know, when I go to the store and pick up groceries for the wife, I can't just buy a box of Mike and Ike and eat the whole thing before I make it back home. That's a pattern of lifestyle I'm going to have to change. So what I be saying? Yeah, bro, I'm going to get back in shape. I'm telling you now, we get back on that court and be dunking on y'all, y'all boys. I'm lying. Because in my mind, I like the idea of being able to get out there and run. And, and I'm saying, and post up and, and do fadeaways. But to be able to do fadeaways, you got to jump. <laughs> and jumping is only good in theory. 
Because to keep doing it in reality takes something that I enjoy. I'd rather go home and let my wife fix me a plate and watch other people jump on the TV <laughs> and complain to them about, bro, no, he ain't playing no defense. I can't even do a squat. <laughs> but how you let him go past you? <laughs> how you let him blow by you? Boy, if I was out there, you lying. <laughs> you know why I'm ain't out there? Because <laughs> I can't walk up a flight of stairs when I say because <laughs> I still got to put on the thing like I'm still a man okay. <laughs> can't let nobody know you're tired but that's the reality so the sacrifice to give up what I need to give to get what I desire to have I'm not willing to do it so do I really want it uh oh yeah that's dangerous now if I'm not willing to sacrifice what I like that gets in the way of what I want do I really want it Y'all say you want to go be with Jesus. It's some stuff that Jesus said you ain't supposed to have that you like, that you enjoy, that you're not willing to sacrifice. Do you really want it? Uh oh, that thing gets a little dangerous. That's fine with me and my honey bun. It's a little different. <laughs> when you're talking about eternity. Because I can still reflect on when I could go, I'm saying, and post one up. Turn over the right shoulder. Hit it off the backboard. Can't do that. Hit it off the backboard and go up the court. <laughs> but when eternity is at stake, we can't play with it. And so we're left with the grown decision of do I really want it? Anybody got any questions?